You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Talking About podcast. Today, after many weeks without a guest, after he scared off all our original ones, Sean, we finally got a guest back in Matt Esposito, head of content at The Playgrounder, one of the best NBA sites on the internet. I read their stuff all the time. Sean, you excited? Yeah, I'm very excited to have Matt on today. And, you know, this is, uh, you know, 33% less work that we each have to do so i can get on board with that and uh we have another interesting topic to talk about at the at the jump here with the the latest daryl morey news which just hit the the wire this morning as we recorded this on thursday yeah our excitement to have matt on is only topped by sixers twitter's excitement at daryl morey stepping down as rockets gm and the fact that he just the smallest possibility that he could somehow come to the Sixers and save us is by far one of the most exciting things. Like, the reaction is just incredible. It reminds me, I mean, we can talk about all the plausibilities and implausibilities of this news, but it reminds me of when Knicks fans talk about a a hot free agent that's available every summer, and they all jump on it as if they're going to get him because it's New York, and why would he want to go anywhere else? And then they don't even get the meeting. That kind of what it feels like to me with the Philadelphia Mori connection. It's it's good that you bring up free agents too, because that's originally why we wanted to have Matt on. He's been doing some great free agency previews for the Playgrounder. I've been reading those, and before we we're going to talk about this Mori thing just a little bit more before we get into that. But uh, Matt, how about you introduce yourself to the people and also give your thoughts on the huge news that Daryl Mori is stepping down as Rockets GM? Yeah, so I appreciate you guys. Um saying all those nice words about my website like it's, it's really not that great uh <laughs> it's like yeah, I, I i love it I, I read it all the time i i appreciate it um i you know i feel like it's been really hyped up like kind of like when you you know like if you're setting someone up for a blind date and you really hype them up and then you get there and it's not all what it's cracked out to be so please you know reserve judgment for now but um in terms of daryl Morey, like you know i think obviously I think some people are going to be quick to like look back at his tenure with the Rockets and, and be like, yeah, you know, like they never made it to the finals, right? Like they never got over the hump, but like it's re- that's really hard to do. Like that's a really hard thing to do, right? So like criticizing someone for not making the finals can be a little tough. And at the end of the day, the way I look at it is like, I feel as though Houston was one of those teams we always looked at and was like, man, like 
It looks like they're out of assets. It looks like they're out of chess moves. But somehow, some way, Daryl Morey always found a way to keep his team in contention. Um, whether it was like starting with getting Harden and then getting Chris Paul and then like bringing in Westbrook, like he always found a way to, and then even like his last ditch effort to go super, super small ball, right? Like he was always just pulling stuff like out of, out of thin air to keep his team, you know, um, keep his team in it. So like, yeah, if I was a Sixers fan, I would be excited because as small as his window is, like there's a window of opportunity to maybe bring in a guy like Daryl Morey who would love to have the assets that, that the, you know, the big, big assets that the Sixers have. So I would be excited. No, it's important you mentioned there how Daryl Morey found his way out of like situations where it felt like there was nothing left to do because that's, that's how we've often described the Sixers' current cap roster situation is we basically were kind of stuck now after the moves of the last – few years so that's definitely a big possibility I mean if Daryl Morey was to come here I'm guessing he would not want to be a part of a part of a front office collaboration incorporated he would probably want full power as he deserves as one of the best GMs in the league for the last decade so I mean Sean do you agree with that for sure yeah Matt mentioned like he didn't reach the finals but I think what uh Bobby Marks actually just tweeted this out a little bit ago, but what he'll always remember as Maury's kind of legacy is that he was the one guy who was willing to kind of go toe-to-toe with Golden State when they had their, you know, stacked dynasty roster, and they almost did it. I mean, they were, they had that 0 for 27 from 3 game or whatever it was. That could have completely changed how people viewed the Houston that, that period of time for the Rockets and uh, you know, the Chris Paul injury as well. So there was a couple of years there, they were right there where if things just fall a little bit differently, then we're having a different conversation and they probably uh, would still have Daryl Morey as the GM in Houston to this day. So, yeah, I mean, he did a great job. The continuing to remain a playoff team slash contender while never bottoming out was you know a masterful job and he deserves a lot of credit for everything he did while he was in Houston no yeah, yeah and, and, um, um, go ahead Dan I'm sorry oh no you're fine I was just gonna say like when you talk like we talk about how impressive it is in a the Western Conference has been better than the Eastern Conference for a long time whether it's just in depth or sometimes even depth and just top tier talent but the Sixers ever since the finals run in 2001 with Iverson I think just off the top of my head, have won four playoff series. The Rockets under Daryl Morey for about 10 to 12 years probably won like 10 to 12 playoff series. That's really good. And like in the last five years, I think they won, they won a lot of series. Like making the conference semifinals, making the conference finals year after year after year, it's really hard to do in this league. So I, that's something that we should just respect, that Daryl Morey built a team that's consistently one of the better teams in the NBA for many years. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I want to bring up is like, I feel like, so what Maury did that was really, really special and kind of better than what any other executive did was he created a culture, um, a, like a culture of opportunity in Houston. So like when you look at, so obviously everyone knew that like their, their assets were tied up in a lot of money. So they would constantly bring in these guys who you thought like their NBA career was either over or like, you know, like on the brink. And he he found a way that other GMs still haven't really mastered yet of like 
you know, reaching out to guys saying, listen, if you want to revive your NBA career, you need to come here, play 15 to 18 minutes a night, you know, in practice, shoot 500 threes a game and, and you know, like play your tail off on defense. And like, you look at guys like Gerald Green, guys that, um, you know, even guys like, like Daniel House, um, Je like Jeff Green had a major comeback with them this year. Um, it, it, it really shows like, even like reviving PJ Tucker's career, like out of Europe. So like, he is fantastic at, at creating whatever culture that is. So like, if, if you're, if you're a team and you're kind of like capped out, you know, that's what he would bring you. But on like, on another note, I don't even know if Daryl Morey is going to be one of those guys who goes back into basketball, like from oh, yeah. what we know yeah. about him, he's someone who just, he, he's, he's like, he's just a different thinker. He's like, and, and I don't want to sound like I'm talking about, like, I'm, you know, I don't want to sound like Kanye West, like, Oh, I'm just like a different thinker. But like, he is. <laughs> like he, he's someone who you could put in football, basketball, you could put him in Silicon Valley. You could have him run like a presidential campaign and he would be successful because he's so freaking smart. So like, I wouldn't be surprised if he just doesn't come back to basketball, but you know, we'll, we'll see going forward. Yeah. Former Liberty Ballers writer Sean O'Connor tweeted out a few minutes ago. When, when will Maury's stories exclusively on the ringer podcast network drop like sometime in the next few weeks. <laughs> he could also join Sam Hinkie at the Starbucks in Palo Alto and they could come up with uh, ways to revolutionize some tech industry together. I'll just, and I'll just throw it out there. You know, Daryl, you're an alumnus of my, my university that I'm attending right now, Northwestern. Uh, we would be more than welcome here at Liberty Ballers <laughs> to bring you on. <laughs> just got to throw it out there, you know, just always shoot your shot. You think he, he would, uh, he would like the AD job over at Northwestern? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Oh man. <laughs> We're, go we're probably going down too much of a rabbit hole. There's been no reporting at all yet that the Sixers are interested in Daryl Morey or that they've reached out to him or whatever Daryl's going to do. All we know is that he has stepped down from GM as the Houston Rockets, which is just huge news in the basketball world due to his stature as one of the father, like godfathers of modern analytics and just such a great GM over the years. And, yeah, it's big news. Would love to have him on the Sixers. Probably not going to happen based on what we know, but one can always dream. And another thing that Sixers fans are going to be dreaming about is the free agents they can get this summer, even though it's not a great free agent class. It wouldn't have mattered that much to the Sixers anyways because the cap situation is dire. And that's where Matt is going to come in and help us. He's been doing such great free agency breakdowns that he can probably help us find some of those maybe lesser known guys that could still help the team. I hope so. Um, so I definitely like talking about rabbit holes, dude. Like, I don't know what was going on last night. So I went through the regular like ESPN list of free agents. Um, and like within 45 minutes, I was watching like Tyler Dorsey EuroLeague videos, um, which we will talk about at some point. So like, <laughs> just know that I, I have some stuff, uh, some stuff ready to go. But um, yeah, so so basically for the Sixers, like, you know, like you said, they're kind of capped out. Um, they're most likely going to have the taxpayer um, MLE, right? Which I think comes out to like $5.7 million, right? Yeah, so, that's what I saw too. Right. So like, and so they're going to have that along with some like veteran, the, the, like, the, vet, like the, vet, the veteran minimum contracts that you can throw out there. Um, 
so I went over some names, right? And and this is I just want to give you like my approach to this real quick. So um, I don't know if you guys are like loyal Italians like I am, and I know I don't look it, but um, so like like scolabas is the word for like like colander or like whatever you whatever you drain your macaroni in your pasta. That was my approach to this, right? So like I threw the Sixers cap situation, right? They're five point seven million dollars into the colander. Then I threw in the list of free agents and then I threw in their needs, which I thought was like a shot creator and like maybe a backup big, right? Depending on all the history, yes. Okay, so like that's a good, like that's a good basis, right? Yeah. So I threw that all in the colander and like I sifted it out and I and I looked at what remained and this is what I have. So do you want me just to like dive right in? Uh I mean sure you can start with some of the guys you have done. I there was there are some uh, typically like smaller guards who could be for cheap options, which I'm really thinking of. But if you've got a list of guys who you think are realistic for the Sixers can get and can both help the Sixers, just dive right in. Like, like what is one of your top options? Like what should one of the Sixers top options be that they could realistically get? Okay. Um, and I'm not saying this because his dad is the coach, but I think Austin Rivers would be one of those guys. Um, I, mean, I had him down too. Yeah. Okay, good. So, so yeah, I mean, like his dad's the coach, right? But his dad has also traded him before, so it's not like it's one of those things that's written in, written in stone. Um, you know, one of the things I like to look at for these players is their previous contract, and uh, I think Austin Rivers was making like two two and a half million dollars. So if he were to get part of that five point seven exception, that's a step up for him, and he brings something to the Sixers that they they need, right? They need a guard who can go out and and create shots and like. You know, he is not a starting level player, um, especially at this point of his career, but he's someone who like, you know, you're, you're not expecting that off of the bench. You, you're not expecting incredible efficiency. Like you want a guy who's just efficient enough and he is right. Like he's for his career. He's just, he's average from three. He can create his own shot a little bit. I think he's a smarter player than what people give him credit for. So what do you guys think about Austin Rivers? Yeah, I like him a lot. And you know, coming from Houston, when Daryl Morey takes over, he definitely already has a good relationship with him. So, yeah, he, he, for all the points you mentioned, he's about a league average three-point shooter, um, and league average on the Sixers is probably puts him at being a top five shooter on the team already. And, uh, yeah, not a, not afraid to take the shot, which they don't have a lot of guys that are just willing to kind of try to create something on their own. And he's a, he's a very – he's a solid defender, so – I, I think he, it wouldn't be a situation where you would have to hide him defensively. And that always comes into question, you know, when you, the postseason rolls around. Um, so, yeah, I think if you can get him for a couple million dollars and kind of slot him into part of that exception, then they would be wise to do so. Yeah. I, I mean, I like that too. And I totally agree with the, like the shot creation is there. I mean, especially spot up shooting or, I mean, Austin Rivers isn't really spot up shoot more than he loves to do that. Like, in between the legs pullback, like every time he catches the ball, either that or drive to the rim. My one big like concern with him is the would be that he's not a very good passer. And this is already like the worst passing team in the NBA. I I would just really appreciate more guys who can like functionally pass the basketball to each other. As you know, I don't know if I'm asking for too much from a professional basketball team, but you know, I I, I mean like do you feel that way too, Matt? Yeah, so he can be a ball stopper. Um, 
fortunately, I think his his time in Houston though has kind of like, like maybe mitigated that just because of their style of play. So like, I, I think he's one of those people that if he wants to extend his NBA career, he he will learn to like catch and shoot. And like, so that's something that I I was kind of thinking about and in, in when I was going over this list as well was that I feel like one of the main things the Sixers were missing was that. JJ Redick type player who like their sole job was to run around screens and shoot and like Austin Rivers can't be that guy so like you know I think as I go through this list you're going to see like some guys are shot creators and other guys are like the running through like floppy action pin downs all that stuff catch and shoot um so you're going to see like two different lists but yeah Austin Rivers doesn't really check off that like JJ Redick mold type of player that I think the the the, Celtics, the Sixers could really use yeah, we could definitely use that type of player. It's probably one of the reasons they should have kept J.J. Redick. Uh, mm. One guy I wanted to talk about real quick. I know, I think I read an article about him on your site recently, uh, Chris Chioza of the Nets. I, yeah. it's like just, he does things I think it helped them. If he's like a league average three-point shooter, I know he's like, some Sixers fans might not have even heard of him up to this point, but he's like a league average shooter. I think he makes pretty good decisions like as a passer. And he, while being small, he can't be a, that good of a defender. He competes on the end. It's not like Trey Young where he lacks the size and the will. So I, I kind of like what I've seen out of him. Like, what are you, are you feelings on that, Matt? I know in the article it referenced that Sixers is one of Chio's best options this free agency. I really like him. Um, so he's one of those guys where, like, you know, if, if you talk to – if you talk to different Nets fans or Nets analysts, like I think you'll find guys that have just a wide range of uh, feelings on him. And like for me personally, like he, he really passes the eye test. Um, uh, you know, obviously he's not, like, he's not big. I think he's like five eleven or six feet, but he's, he's excellent at running an offense, like very, very good at kind of like in a, like what we saw Rubio do for the Suns. Um, he could do that at a much smaller scale for like a second unit. And, you know, again, I don't think he's a guy who should be getting like 20 to 24 minutes a game. But even if you played him kind of like in what the Celtics did with Wanamaker, like 15, 16 minutes, and you just say, listen, your task is to play spirited defense and create plays for others and hit shots when you're open. Like not only will he be able to do that, but he'll be able to do that on a very cheap contract. So like if you're the Sixers and that's one of your needs, which I think it is, he's a guy who I would maybe even like overpay by like, like, you know, a few, a few hundred thousand dollars, a few hundred thousand dollars. Like it's not a lot, but like I would overpay um, a little bit for him. I, I do think he has some, some hidden, you know, potential and utility. Mm-hmm. Sean, any Chris Chioza thoughts? I recall Jeff Van Gundy was very high on him because they had the, the team USA experience together back when, uh, they they were using the guys that when the stars couldn't go. Uh, so they're down in Puerto Rico playing the qualifiers and, and he performed very well. So I, I know Van Gundy has some good things to say about him, but yeah, if uh, you know, he's still young and there's obviously some upside there. He's a little undersized, but if they can get him for around the minimum, then I, I would absolutely like to see what he can do. And, and kind of that in the Howell Neto role for the team where he's like maybe the third point guard, and he could fill in in a pinch when there's an injury. Uh, yeah, I, I would absolutely like to see uh, Chioza in that role. The Howell Neto rules Neto role is a good call because like Howell did some of that stuff. The problem is that Howell has so much self confidence that he thinks he should be taking all the shots when he's on the court, and he would try like 
these insane like reverse layups or like floaters out of nowhere. And I'm just hoping Chioza is a little more grounded in knowing that he is just more a backup guard who kind of helps the team. But then again, this is also like, I mean, I really like Chioza, but this is kind of a good way to think of where the Sixers are actually at. We're getting excited and thinking, oh, he could really help them of a 5'11 guard who hasn't played in the league very much, finished in the 16th percentile at rim finishing this year. He's not, that, that's a big weakness of his. Like, it, that's the unfortunate truth for Sixers fans is because of the decisions of the last few years, like, you're not going to do that much better for, than the Chris Chioza types. Like, you could get, like, bigger names maybe. Like, I don't know if they're willing to take the money, like Reggie Jackson or Jeff Teague. And I'm not necessarily convinced that those two would be better for the Sixers than Chioza just because of – whereas Chioza is probably more willing to accept the smaller role, those guys might be a little more um, – like, I mean, I don't know if you saw Reggie Jackson, if we were watching Reggie Jackson too close in the bubble, but he was probably taking like 10 too many shots every game with the Clippers. We've, we've come a long way from when the Sixers had max cap space and we were talking about them maybe getting LeBron. Oh, that would have been nice. <laughs> and people were actually arguing they shouldn't go after LeBron because he would uh, stymie the development of our young stars. But yeah, now we're talking about Chris Chioza. So it's, it's the other side of the coin. We managed to stymie ourselves, so yeah. Le- LeBron would have fixed a lot of your problems. Um, <laughs> that's <laughs> for sure. But bold so take. There, there's some other guys. Um, there are some other guys that I thought of that, like, I think would also be good fits. And it would. The hard part is like, you know, trying to find guys that can help your team and are willing to accept the role for the right price, and. Some, I feel like all of them have like a little wart on them to some extent. So like another guy I thought of was Rodney Hood, who was having an awesome, awesome season until he like tore his Achilles, which is arguably the worst injury you can get in basketball. Now, everything that like all the reports that we've heard is that he should be ready for whenever the season starts. Um, but like before he went down to his injury, he was starting for the Trailblazers. He was hitting 49% of his threes, taking like a ton of threes per game, like comparatively to like uh, for his total field goals attempts and he's he he fits the mold there like he's pretty much a low usage player right so like in my opinion the the ball spends most of its time in the hands of like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and you know Josh Richardson and Tobias Harris like you need a low usage guy who can run around and shoot threes and like Rodney Hood I think he would because of his he might be an option because like his last contract, I think, was around $8 million. But because of his injury, he'll probably be looking at a lesser contract. So, like, you might be able to reasonably get him for $5.7 million. And that's a guy who could maybe move the needle a little bit for the Sixers, right? No, I I would definitely like Rodney Hood. The injury is scary, but just, like, his level of shooting and his ability to get his shot off is, like, just very enticing. <sighs> I know what you're saying about like his last contract was only 8 million and there's with the injury, how you can like, I understand the logical conclusion of that could be like a $5 million contract for him. I'd worry about like, say the Knicks strike out on like Fred Van Vliet and they're just bored and they offer Rodney Hood like two years, 20 million. Like that could happen. Like this isn't like, like going after a guy like Chioza, like he is not going to get that kind of offer. Like, you can you offer him five million for a year, he'll probably take it. He would love that. Rodney Hood would Rodney Hood might have other options. It's no guarantee, but I could definitely see a team saying it's worth it to pay a little more than that. 
So Hood has the player option. Do we think he's definitely opting out of that given the injury? Actually, yeah, he's probably opting in. I don't know. I, I forgot that he that he had a player option. I don't know how I missed that. Um, that's a great question, though. I mean, if it, it really he depends definitely... on... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. it just it depends on the state of his injury. Like, if he thinks he can come back and play, I don't know. I mean, he... And the interesting part is we saw how, like, Gary Trent Jr. stepped up in Portland. So, like, what if part of his role is affected by – and they have Ariza. So, like, there's a little bit of a – they still have Carmelo. So, like, just in terms of, like, those forward slash guard type, you know, wing type of players, there might be, like, a little bit of a logjam there. Um, I miss that, though. I, I totally miss that he had a player option. Hood, Hood would only be opting in, though, for, like, about $6 million, So, it's not really – so, like, I guess the argument would be if he thinks he can make more, he'd probably, like, opt out because he thinks he could get a better contract. But, honestly, so maybe, like, that's kind of what my concern was. I, I just don't think that one – again, sad state of the Sixers, Rodney Hood is probably a bit of a pipe dream for us. <laughs> yeah, before before the injury, he, he like like you discussed, he was playing great. And I think he was looking at a probably, like, a $10 million a year contract from somebody as as a guy who could – be a potential starter or like a sixth, seventh man kind of microwave scorer off the bench type of guy. But yeah, the injury kind of throws things in the, in the question. Like, is he going to opt in to the next year because he's in a situation where he know he can succeed and he can just try to show he's healthy, rebuild his value a little bit and then get the bigger contract next summer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that could definitely happen. Um, well, since we're, we basically ruled out like several, uh, maybe better NBA players. How about we talk about your guy, Tyler Dorsey, who uh, we might not know that well. Many of our viewers might not know that well. Like, but he definitely like would be willing to su- sign for as much money as the Sixers could offer. <laughs> yeah, so it was funny. I was just talking to um, Joe Mullinex from um, SB Nation, who who does the who, who works for the Grizzlies site, and so he's one of those guys who. Um, it's like six foot five, came out of Oregon, was a second round draft pick. And, you know, he can score, right? So, like, he, in my opinion, he can really score the basketball. And he uh, spent a couple of years in the NBA. And, like, the weird part is he ends his career by starting, like, 11 games in a row for the Grizzlies. Now, this was before they got John Morant. Um, and they weren't that good at all. But, like, he, he, he was playing in, in crunch time. He was routinely scoring in double figures. And he can really, in my opinion, he can really shoot. Like, and it, so he, he goes and he plays in Israel this year and like, or last year. And he was, he did really, really well, right? Like could absolutely shoot the ball. Um, in my opinion, like he improved off of the pick and roll, creating for himself, creating for others. So he, he has a, he, he re-signed with this team, um, but he has like an NBA buyout clause. This is what he would bring, right? So he's a guy that has microwave scoring potential. Um, he's not an incredible athlete. He's not good defensively. If you're looking for someone in your second unit to score, I think that's okay. Uh, and, and, and I personally would take a chance on him as one of those guys. Like, I feel like every year we have a few guys that come over from Europe and um, like used to play in the NBA and they kind of revive their career. He's, he's a candidate to watch. And if it's not this year, it'll be, it'll be next year. But um, I thought his, he really brought his stock up a lot. So I would, I would keep an, an eye out for Tyler Dorsey. 
when you describe them as a microwave score, it just kind of hits me that all the guys we're describing are like their worst versions of Alec Burks of what he was for the Sixers in the playoffs, which again, like we're, the Sixers probably can't afford to re-sign Burks considering how much money he's going to warrant after having a pretty good year. Probably even the same thing for Glenn Robinson the third. So I guess it's like, in a way, they're trying to just recoup value there, not lose too much, because they just desperately need that scoring creation. And you obviously can get that from other places. There's been the tons of rumors about, like, the long-rumored Al Horford plus assets for Buddy Heald trade is the big one that all Sixers fans are just praying happens eventually, and that solves a lot of your problems. And from there, that's where you're talking about looking for a backup big, because really the only other after having so many centers for so many years really the only backup bigs left on the roster after that would be a Norvell Pell so and I mean we love Norvell Norvell's a great guy I don't Mm. think he's ready though to like help a team that wants to be good the next year maybe Phil Jabor who just became the uh, (laughs) new VP of player personnel with Sacramento is the Trojan horse to make the Horford Buddy Hill deal go through He's a sleeper agent like Mike Muscala who helped us get that 21st overall pick back. Exactly. They're just sprinkling guys all over the league to help us, and they have the long game in mind. Sneaky. Sneaky Sixers. Um, but if, if we're talking about, like, backup big men, like, there are a couple. Like, you know, imagine that scenario where it happened where, like, Horford would get traded for Buddy Heal, which would be awesome for the Sixers. Yes. Like, that would be – that would – totally change the the trajectory of your team um you wouldn't need that big and like one of the guys that i've kind of had my eye on is what is noah vonley who mm-hmm. played really well with the knicks and then like didn't really get a lot of playing time this year and like i'll be honest i didn't i wasn't following noah vonley like every single day um but when he was on the knicks like i watched a lot of him i was like this guy can play basketball um yeah so i, I still think he has potential he's still only 24 years old um, if I, if I remember, he's got like one of those crazy wingspans as well. Right? They did it on, when he got drafted as a rookie, they like did a thing where his hands are bigger than Kawhi's actually. It's like gigantic mm-hmm. hands, but wait, Noah Vonley's only 24. He's 25. Yeah. Okay. That was, see, that's surprising. Although earlier today, I learned that Derek Favors is only 29. Crazy. That was one of the crazy that like, how is Derek Favors 29? He's been in the league since like 2010. He was involved in the draft trade to get Darren Williams out of Utah, <laughs> like, which feels like it was a lifetime ago. Yeah. You know what's a sad fact? Uh, Buddy Heald is only a year and a half younger than Derek Favors. Crazy. <laughs> weird. It's weird. It is weird. It's... But back to – um. Yeah, that's why teams place – like we talk about when there are the draft prospects and – oh, why would you care if he's 22, if he can play? And But they definitely value a guy who's 19 because you still have so much more room to grow. And when you're on the second contract, then suddenly you're like, oh, the guy's still 24 versus a guy like Buddy Heald where he's kind of like approaching the tail end of his prime already, even though people think of him still as a young player. Hmm. Um, back to Noah Vonley, like, so my one thing would be is that if we want a backup center for the Sixers, I would really appreciate if they could stretch the floor just a little bit of shooting capability. I know it's hard to get those guys for very small contracts, given that that's a useful skill for a center to have. I haven't tracked Noah Vonley probably as closely as you have. I, I don't think he really has that kind of shooting ability. Do you? Um, 
But let me look it up because the last time I checked, like when he was in New York, I thought he was shooting the ball pretty well. Um, let's see, I'm looking at our yeah. So when he was when he was in New York, he was he, sh- he took like two threes a game and made you know just below 34 percent, which like that's- I think is per- I think that's perfectly fine for like your backup big. Um, like I would be like as a Celtics fan, I'd be like ecstatic if Daniel Tice was hitting consistently 34% on like two threes a game or like Robert Williams one day, like 10 years from now was maybe taking threes. So like, I think that's good enough. And I think like when you watch him play, he passes the eye test. It might be one of those scenarios where he just needs like a consistent opportunity to get out on the court. And a a coach says like, listen, like you're going to play X amount of minutes per game. And when you're out there, if you're open from three, I always want you to shoot it. And I think sometimes that really does wonders for a player. Um, so he's a guy that I would have circled for sure. I, I would, I think he'd be a good addition there. Even if like, you know, Al Horford is still on the team, which I think he will be, I, I think he would still be a fit there. Mm-hmm. No, the shooting like 34% was definitely like, that's just what we need, like an acceptable level. So the defense respects him. Cause the other thing you can do with the center role even is just, if you properly like split Embiid and Simmons playing time, I mean, everyone likes to theorize about how Ben Simmons could be a pretty good small ball five. Um, another name I was thinking about who's going to be a free agent this year is Myers Leonard, who I don't know if he'd sign for that little. He might, but he shoots the ball pretty well. And despite maybe not having a ton of playoff value due to like limited mobility and stuff like that, like he can spread the floor as a big man and he can, he's strong enough that he can basically hang inside for like those games where Joel, like you're not giving up too much size and strength or even like all the stuff that Joel brings with Myers, like you're obviously giving it up, but you're not giving up as much as maybe you wanted. Yeah. Leonard's coming off a $10 million a year contract. And this is probably his last chance to really like cash in with a big deal at the tail. Like he's 28 right now. But who's giving him that big deal? I mean, even if it's a shorter term, like it might not be a four year deal, but somebody is going to give him more than, six million a year as a big who can stretch the floor and he actually like the advanced analytics numbers on him and kelly olenic when they were on the floor for miami in those finals was actually pretty good so there's a lot of things that point to him being a positive contributor when he's out there so i i just don't see him being a a fit given the cap constraints the sixers are under fair although I'm just – with every one of these free agents, there's in the back of my head, like, what if the Knicks just throw $15 million at them because they're bored? I, I just can't help but think that every time. And it's going to make me upset when they take away a guy who could actually help the Sixers just so they can – the Knicks can be, I don't know, 20 and 62 instead of 18 and 64. And they can finish their all-power forward roster that they are assembling. <laughs> uh, and, like, even a team – you know, imagine, like – the Pistons fail to resign Christian Wood, like they're going to need a center, right? They're, they're going to need a guy who can like, you know, do exactly what Myers, Myers Leonard does. So like, I wouldn't be, I don't know. I, I like Myers Leonard and I'm like, I could be making this up, but I'm pretty sure at some point in his life, he was like a 50, 40, 90 guy. Um, <laughs> like I definitely need a fact check on that. High school, but, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, like this is something that's going to drive me nuts. So like a 90 to look it up, but, um, yeah, I mean, like, listen, if if you're a team like New York, um, I would totally pursue him just because they're starting 
and we, I feel like we say this every year, but like they're starting a rebuild there. And if you can get a guy who can bring to you the culture of Miami and, and try and instill that a little bit in New York, um, like, yeah, that, that, okay. See, I was right about this 50, 40, 90. Now he only played like 15 minutes the game, but <laughs> it's, it was 54. There we go. Okay. So now we can say it, we can add Myers Leonard to the list of like Dirk Nowitzki and, Steve Nash for the 50-40-90 play. But I could see a team giving him, like, maybe, like, a three-year deal with a team option for the third year and mm-hmm. just really overpaying him. But if he wants to remain competitive, which he might because he just went to the finals, um, Philadelphia would be a really good spot for him. I can't – wouldn't the Heat also have his bird rights? So if you wanted to remain comp- in a competitive situation and he could just resign there? Yeah, he, he could. I mean, it'll be interesting to watch what Miami does this year regardless just because they're looking to keep uh, cap space open for, for next year. So, like, yeah, they could they could resign him and, and then, like, trade him if they need be, right? Yeah, so the bird rights is, is important. I mean, like, I, would, I wouldn't put a great percentage chance of him landing in Philadelphia, but the impact he would have on that team would be really nice if he went there. I can't remember who specifically said it. I think it might have been Zach Lowe, but do you remember how in the Western Conference Finals when he was with the Blazers, he had like 27 in the first half of game three, I think. And I think Zach Lowe described it as that's like being struck by lightning twice if you're the Warriors. It was just one of the funny, funniest things ever I heard. Because that's still like Myers, well, useful. There's a reason Myers does not get a ton of time with all the teams he plays with. Like he's functional, he's serviceable, but... He's just, at the end of the day, he can occasionally hit threes at a decent rate, and you don't get destroyed on the inside because he's at least strong, but not providing you a ton of other things. Um, another Miami Heat, uh, I don't know if you would even call him a big, but another Miami Heat player who I would be interested in if I'm the Sixers is Derek Jones Jr. And one of the main reasons I would be interested in him as a free agent is that for all their size and athleticism, the Sixers have not had a consistent, like, lob threat. They don't, like, Embiid does not like to roll to the rim. Simmons is usually the one handling the ball. Tobias and Al Horford are definitely not huge lob finishers. And Derek Jones Jr., that's, like, one of the main things he does is he can jump like crazy while also being, like, a 34 to 30% three-point shooter the last few years. Really good on defense when you can put him in the right situations because of his length and quickness. So he would be a guy I'd be interested in just, like, as a – as a different kind of player from what the Sixers have right now, he would just, I think, inject like a burst of energy to their team overall. Jones could be what Jeremy Grant was before Jeremy Grant took the leap. He could make, fill that similar role. Make that nine podcasts in a row where we have mentioned <laughs> how Jeremy Grant was once a Sixer and our frustrations that he's not a Sixer now. We did it, Daniel. The streak continues. <laughs> I love Jeremy Grant. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, Derek Jones Jr. is a top percentile athlete in, in the NBA. Um, and hopefully his shot, like, really becomes consistent. Um, the, and, like, there are pluses and minuses to, to signing him. So, like, one of them is the worry about his shot. Um, the other, like, the plus is that you can literally play him just about anywhere on defense. Like, if you watch how Miami use him, especially in that zone, like here's Derek Jr.'s uh, Derek Jones Jr. is like a massive guy, incredible athlete, and they were playing him at the top of the zone. And it's like, you know, good good luck penetrating the zone and passing along there. And like picturing him on the fast break with Ben Simmons, if like 
you know, if they stagger Ben Simmons minutes and he's leading a second unit and it's like, it's like him, Richardson, Derek Jones Jr. Like that, those transition points are going to be unbelievable. So I would like that. Plus like there's something to be said about having just professionals on your team and bringing guys on your team who know what it's like to compete for their job. Um, I think, I think he'd be a, a good fit there. Mm-hmm. And I think just an, a theme I'm noticing here with like a guy like Derek Jones or these small creators like a Chris Chioza's, the Sixers could really use some more urgency in their offense and their overall style of play. So many times it's just kind of monotonous. Everyone's standing still. Everything's moving slowly. There's no really just, there's no like kind of constant movement or pace. Like you watch the Miami Heat play and it's like, no matter what they're doing all the time in their offense, everyone's running around. There's always like something happening. There's no wasted motion. There's, you, they try and use all 24 seconds as best they can, just keep the energy up. So I think the Sixers really could use just some guy who brings the energy. Like, and the guy before that was like TJ McConnell, one of my favorite players ever. Like TJ brought some energy to that team, whether it just be because he's that kind of guy who's so fiery and intense and kind of lovable that you just kind of all like the whole team like takes his cue and just works with him through that. Or TJ McConnell just always wanting to push the ball and trying to get things moving as best he could. So I, I don't know. Those, those are the kind of players I'd be targeting. Are there any other guards like that you see in this free agency class that could help the Sixers in that way? I don't know if I would call him a guard. Um, I call him kind of like a wing forward hybrid, but um, so in my, in my opinion, the Sixers, the Sixers definitely have the talent to win a title. Um, but we also know that they're, like projected salary over uh, salary over the next few years is like through the roof. Right. So like, I don't think they have many meaningful ways of acquiring a player who has a very high ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those guys that they could get, he's also very, very high risk and could bust out of the league. But like, I thought Josh Jackson had a really good revival this year. I thought you were going to bring him up. I remember reading your piece on him. Yeah. He, so with like, his first couple of years in the league were very, very interesting to say the least. And then he obviously has maturity issues, but it, like there's a reason that this guy was a top five draft pick. And when you look at him, he's much, much better at finishing out the rim now. Like it's, it's cool to see players with extreme athleticism, like actually learn how to use it. Um, and, and watching him be able to learn his athleticism and how to unleash it was, was awesome. He's an improving three-point shooter, especially from the corner. And, he, you know, he would he, – he's a really good defender. Um, so, like, he's a guy who, if you bring him on your team, which you might be able to get for, like, really, really cheap, it's, it's, it's a dart throw, right? And if, if, you, if that dart lands and you hit a bullseye, like – it, it's it's just worth it for me. It's such a cheap contract. Like, you know, the Sixers are kind of lacking for ways to 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 bring in like a meaningful, you know, variant for talent. And he's one of those guys. So that's someone who, um, I don't know like, if I'd advocate for them to sign him, but if they did, I would immediately talk myself into being like, okay, like that's a sneaky good signing. No, I, we're not too far removed from – I mean, that draft, like, when the Sixers had the third pick, a lot of people thought they might take Josh Jackson. Uh, you know, one day we're going to look up and the Sixers will have had every player from the 2017 draft on their team except for Jason Tatum. Right. <laughs> but, um, 
No, you, what you said about Jackson, like he do, he played pretty well for the Grizzlies in his stint this year after basically the Sun. Like we don't don't talk about his second year of the Suns. Like seriously, if you're listening to this, I do not wa- recommend watching his second year Suns highlights. They will kind of sour you on him entirely. But he kind of fixed that hitch in his shot at least a little, so he could kind of gave you the hope of a decent shooter. He's a freak athlete, just incredible burst and explosiveness with some length too. And also just, I think his passing is okay. Now, I do know he tries some pretty crazy floaters is what I've seen from him before. But yeah, I mean, I'm all in on like taking a guy like that who just, there might still be something there. Like there is a chance he's maybe Stanley Johnson-esque and that it's just not going to happen. But I don't know. I, I liked what I saw from the Grizzlies this year too. So what do you think, Sean? He could, yeah, I mean, Stanley Johnson's an interesting comparison. Another guy that kind of falls in that kind of realm is Contavious Coldwell-Pope, who everyone kind of wrote off. And then all of a sudden, he's the third best player on a team winning the finals. Um, Like, he played amazing in these most recent finals for the Lakers. So, yeah, you never know when you have that kind of baseline of athleticism and fluidity to your game that everything can kind of finally click. And yeah, Jackson had a good year last year. I, I I would just be curious, what do we think the market for him would be? Like, what would the expectations of his next contract be? So the Grizzlies turned down his his option, um, which I think was going to be for like seven or eight million dollars. So that leads me to believe that what they think is they could get him for cheaper if they wanted to bring him back. Um, and then the flip side of that is they also don't think he's worth $8 million, which as of right now, like they're probably right. So I, I really don't know. Like I think a lot of teams will be scared off a little bit by some of his, some of his like uh, maturity issues. Although those seem to have kind of gotten better um, last year. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he got somewhere like, like, like a two year deal for, eight million seven million dollars with the second year being like a team option um i wouldn't be surprised if he got a little less than that but i do think he's totally gettable and like one of the things that i like as a celtics fan i always grow jealous of the sixers because at the end of the day like and maybe this is a positive spin but they have the talent it takes to win a title and it allows you to gamble and if if you're if you're like you know if i was there if i was you know, Daryl Morey, who's definitely going to end up in, no, I'm kidding. But if I was, if I was their executive, if I was Alan Brand, I'd be like, yeah, I'll take this dice roll because we have the, the top tier talent regardless. Um, but yeah, I mean, to get back to your original question, I do think he's affordable for the Sixers. That, that would be my guess. Mark the time and day, October 15th, 2020, 2 p.m. Eastern time. A Celtics fan said they are jealous of the Sixers, a historic event at, I mean, I don't, I can't imagine that's ever happened before. Can you, Sean? <laughs> it's definitely a historic day. Uh, so it's, it's definitely some, like some, there's some recency bias going on. Like I, <laughs> I've done a lot of soul searching with my Celtics and ultimately m- maybe I was a little overzealous with the word jealous, but Oh, good, good rhyming. There. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I have a huge, a crush on Joel Embiid. Like I think there are a handful of players in the NBA who could win Defensive Player of the Year and MVP in the same season. He's one of them, 
and it's just a matter of him doing it. Um, but like that's why like if for, you know when I talk to Sixers fans, like you know take a step back, like take take a take your foot off the off the ledge there. Like things are gonna be okay. Like the hardest part is acquiring, uh, you know, championship level talent, and you guys have it. Well, if if you're still like on the fence about needing to do soul searching about the Celtics versus how you feel about the Sixers, there's four games from about six weeks ago that I could direct okay. you to rewatch. And I think you might feel a little better about your situation vis-a-vis that of the Sixers. I, maybe I will go back and I'll, I'll rewatch that just to like see Kemba. I feel like Kemba, every single chance there was like for a, some kind of buzzer beating shot. I feel like Kemba Walker made it during that series, whether it was like halftime, end of a quarter. Am I wrong here? No, you're right, and that's partially because the Sixers haven't had a guy who could defend a small point guard in seven years. So since Drew Holiday, there's not been a guy like that on the roster. Mm. And you mentioned now you have a crush on Joel Embiid. I, I, in return, think I have a crush on the Time Lord, Robert Williams. One of, mm-hmm. I, I was really a big advocate of them just playing him more. I love his game so much. If he's, if he's in any way available, I am interested. You know, um, there is a... There is a very, very small percentage chance that, like, he actually could be, and, and, and I'll, I'll tell you why. So, like, the, the reports of that Ennis, Ennis – I don't want to make this, like, a Celtics pod, but, like, the reports of that Ennis Cantor may opt out um, for, you know, a variety of reasons. And if he does, like, I would expect the Celtics to go after a guy like Aaron Baines and just have their front court – have their center position be Baines and Tice, and I think – Williams could actually be expendable in that case, but that's, there are so many moving pieces to get to there, uh, you know, to, to, to get to that point. But yeah, I love time Lord and they definitely will like next year. If he's healthy, he's going to get, you know, 24, 25 minutes a game, which is awesome. Good for him. It's amazing that we somehow got to the time Lord and Celtics center moves off of Josh Jackson was the original debate. And I was just wanted to mention this, how, I don't know how inclined you guys are to the NBA draft. I'm a very big, like, follower. And the big thing of Josh Jackson coming in the draft was just how bad the hitch in his shot was. One of the most, like, one of the favorite prospects of all draft Twitter was Devin Vassell of Florida State. Basically this lanky 3 and D wing who everyone thought you could plug and play and he'd just be pretty good right away. There was a video of him today shooting shots, and he changed his jump shot form. And now, instead of, like, a pretty clean form that he already had, he's, like, two hands over the top of his head, like, chucking it. And literally, like, everyone thinks the big news of the day was the Maury news. Like, to draft Twitter, it is by far the Devin Vassell, what the heck just happened to his shot form. Like, people are scrambling to change their boards. Uh, Again, and a little bit of a rabbit hole, and I don't hope I didn't leave you two out in the dark there of that reference, but just I I came to mind when we were talking about Josh Jackson. No, um... You know who's another guy? So, yeah, I definitely follow – I mean, not as much this year. I followed him more last year, but I do follow draft. But another guy who you should look up is, like, go look at Blake Griffin high school videos, like his high school mixtape, and he's, like, a really good jump shooter. And, you're, and then you watch his shot today, and you're like, who, who's, who do you pay to teach you to shoot like this? Because it's – like, ask for your money back. Um, if it's not broken, don't fix it is, is, is what I'm driving at. Sounds like Vassell's destined to slide to 21 and fulfill his <laughs> destiny as six, six Sixers prospect with messed up jump shot. Sean, you Sean, you beat me to that joke. I was just about to like say something in that vein, but I, you just had to come in and steal that one for me. 
It was it was on a platter. Um, you guys missed out on another one too, because I remember on, on on that draft night where you took uh, Mikel Bridges. Oh, he he randomly developed a hitch this year too. I mean, he, well, he but, but yeah, they coached it. it. They coached it into him, like because at Villanova he was a sniper. Like he right. was just knocking down everything, and it was I think it was someone on the Suns, like basically. I'm not sure. I think it was some coach on the Suns told him he should start changing, and he started, like, bringing it to the side of his body or something. He's kind of fixed it. And we've talked about Mikhail Bridges a lot before. I was not a fan of the trade in the moment. I thought Mikhail was just awesome and would be a perfect fit. And guess mm-hmm. what? Mikhail is awesome, and he's a great fit because he's – like, by next year, he'll probably be second-team defense at least. With like, I mean, I, do you, if you were trying to, like, run in a straight line from one – like, a – say you're running 30 yards from one side of a field to another and Mikhail Bridges is standing in front of you and just spreading his arms out. Do you think you could get around him? No. Yeah. Same. Okay. Yeah, I, I always remember Bridges at the top of that full court one, three, one press that Jay Wright had developed. That basically oh. was the change up he would throw whenever he needed to swing momentum in a big game and Bridges would just be everywhere and he's definitely improved a lot this past year just in terms of you know creation and a little bit of like the man-to-man defense Mm -hmm. and just being more of like a shutdown defender as opposed to like getting in the passing lanes and deflections type guy so he's just on a rocket ship with his potential for sure he's a freak well, Matt, do you have any other free agents? Like, we are probably got, like, just a few minutes left here. Any other free agents you think the Sixers mm-hmm. could use? That just, just throw them out there. Give us, like, some quick synopsis of uh, things they can bring to the Sixers. I'll give you some quick names. Um, Chabaz Napier. Chabaz Napier is a guy who's kind of, like – he's kind of fallen into, like, journeyman syndrome. Like, he, he is a player who I think is a quality backup point guard in the NBA. Um, and I'm not saying this just because I'm a UConn fan. Um, but like, he, he's one of those guys where if you're a, if you're a general manager and you're trying to make salaries work, you're like, okay, what if we give you Shabazz Napier? So like, you're always willing to get rid of him. And then on the other side, if you're the general manager and you hear that and you're like, okay, we could take Shabazz Napier. Like he can play like 17, 18 minutes a game for us and do it pretty well. So like, he's a, he's a guy I would hate if he ended up on the Sixers because I want him on my Celtics just to get the Kemba reunion. He's from Boston. It makes so much sense. Um, he's a guy I would look at. I would, um, I would also look at Etwan Moore, who I think is a, hmm. is pretty reasonable. Um, career 39% from three. He's uh, on the last year, I think, of an $8.6 million contract. And he's at the stage of his career where he will be taking less money and he may want to stay competitive. I think that, I think that that's actually one uh, reasonable signing. Um, a guy like Tyler Johnson is a name I'll throw out there. I mean, he got way overpaid on his last contract. So you think um, <laughs> there's going to be a market reset for him, but he's okay. And one last name I'll throw at you. Um, if again, like this would be another one of those high risk, high ceiling guys. If, if the Sixers did want to chase someone like Harry, uh, Harry Giles, out of Sacramento I you know obviously we know his injury concerns but he still has uh he still is like a pretty skilled big to to be a backup big for you so those are the names that I have and um if I can like 
predict one of those names, I'll be very, very happy. So hopefully the Sixers do me some good here and sign one of those guys. No, I had Shabazz, Shabazz Napier down too. I've always thought pretty highly of him. Of course, I'm probably biased because as a kid, just watching him light up the 2014 NCAA tournament was surreal. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he shot he shot around 34 to 38% from three for most of his career. He shot really well at the rim this past year. His defense is bad, but, I mean, I guess kind of like him, he's probably what you were hoping to get out of Trey Burke if you were the Sixers this past year, which, honestly, Trey Burke was not that bad. And that, I mean, there's different, like, there's a lot of debate among Sixers fans, like, was Trey Burke bad or not? Some adamantly believe that he actually was bad and cutting him was fine. Others are like, this guy can really shoot and he played well in the playoffs for the Mavs. Why did we get rid of him? I think I lean more towards that camp. So I would definitely be in favor of Shabazz. Um, each one more I've always liked. I, I do like his shot a lot. And just, again, if you can shoot the ball pretty well from, for, from the field and, like, not be catastrophic dribbling the ball, you're mm-hmm. probably a good fit with the Sixers. I'm not a huge fan of Tyler Johnson. I don't know how much that would help. Harry Giles uh, – and, again, Harry Giles is, like, as a big man who can't really shoot threes, even if he, though he has shot well from mid-range, you still would have to just bet that he could extend it from three, and it's hard to make that bet. I mean, Harry Giles I'm fine with if, like, tr- Al Horford gets traded or they make that move, because then you are looking for a backup center, and he'd be great for that. But he would be, like, dependent on the, that move. So out of those four names, Shabazz Napier is definitely my favorite. Me too. Sean, any last thoughts? I've always liked Giles uh, dating back – I was in uh, I was in Greece on vacation, and we happened to be in Crete, about 15 minutes away from where the Team USA U18 team was playing, that had Harry Giles, Josh Jackson, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brunson on it, and uh, I convinced the group I was with to go watch this game, and uh, Harry Giles was the best guy on the court. So ever since then, I've had an irrational fondness for him and his game, and I, I hope that uh, you know whatever injury concerns he had in the past, he can fully put behind him and reach his potential. So I would love, I would love to see him in a Sixers uniform on a, on a minimum contract. That I, I think that'd be a one of those low risk, potentially high upside moves that uh, Matt was talking about a little earlier in regard to Jackson. Well, Matt, you've definitely helped us sort out what is going to be a tricky free agency for the Sixers in the next few months, dude. To- due to their own previous mistakes, it's not going to be easy, but you definitely gave us some hope for maybe some possible solutions. Probably no one signing fix all kind of guy out there, but definitely some guys who could help. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm always happy to come on and talk about free agents and, and try and, you know, hype up Sixers fans. Although part of me feels conflicted about doing that, but it was, this was fun and I appreciate it. Matt, quickly let everyone know where they can find all your work. Plug whatever you got to plug. Sure. Um, at Matt Esposito underscore on Twitter. Um, you can, my, my website right now looks like, um, what's a good way of putting it? <laughs> my website looks like uh, like a finger painting from like a third, a third grader, but we are getting an updated website within a couple of weeks. That's going to look sleek and cool. So theplaygrounder.com, we have some fun, uh, we, we have some fun stuff for you guys and good content. Yeah, I can't recommend enough the website. I've loved reading their stuff. I remember just the first time I read the article about Ricky Rubio and how he draws fouls so well. And it was a quick, short read, but illustrated really well. Something I was probably, even me as a huge NBA fan, was just 
probably didn't know about Ricky Rubio already. You're going to learn a lot from it if you read that website about certain things of players. They go, they go really in depth of rookies or other kinds of players like that. Maybe the players that aren't talked about a ton. So if you're a really hardcore NBA fan, you're going to want to read the Playgrounder. Yeah, if you guys like Ricky Rubio free throw attempt rate stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so in other words, like if you don't have a life, you might like this website is, is what I'm finding out. That felt like a shot at me. It's a shot at both of us. Well, Sean, it was a ton of fun having Matt on. Uh, maybe we'll have him on late in the future. It'd be definitely, this was a lot of fun and I'll talk to you next week. Yep. Thanks again to Matt for coming on. And Daniel, I'll spend the next six days researching potential Jeremy Grant connections to bring into <laughs> next week's podcast. All right. Sounds good, Sean. See ya. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. 
It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.